Welcome back to another episode here on the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Wyatt, it is finally good to have you back on for another NFL episode. A lot of crazy NFL action to get into. Yes, yes. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back. All right. Well, we'll dive right into this. We have not had an NFL episode on this pod coincidentally in about a month. So figured heading into the holiday season, do a little Christmas catch up here, focusing all the big games, Uh, because for starters, it seems like uh, things are getting very interesting out with both conferences when it comes to the playoff seating uh, and more importantly, kind of where each team is seating wise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the AFC is as, as, as tight as it comes right now. You got four teams, five teams at eight and six. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs have just clinched the playoffs as the one seed. You know, it's really a wide open competition with everybody in there. And I think we could definitely see some surprise uh, surprise runs in that in that bracket. Well, yeah, you mentioned the big point, which I think most importantly, if you look at this entire bracket. So after KC, you have New England and Tennessee, both at nine and five. And then it's Cincy, Indiana. Los Angeles, Buffalo, Baltimore, all eight and six. And then there's this cluster F of Steelers, Raiders, Dolphins, Browns, Broncos, who are all, minus the Steelers at seven, six, and one, all at 500. I mean, what are you supposed to make of it when you have all these teams kind of bunched up together? Because the thing I'm taking away from it is that we will not know the final playoff picture until the very, very last week of this season. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, all the eight and six teams, everyone, it really is just kind of a tiers list right now. You know, we got the eight and six, the nine and five, and then we got the Chiefs. And, you know, to a certain extent, we expect, expected the Chiefs to be at the top of this bracket, but not not like this for this. Uh, this season has had a lot of uh, ups and downs for them. But, um, yeah, I think the Bengals and the Colts are two surprise teams that could really uh, make a splash if they, if they even make these playoffs, because uh, this is a uh, this is a wide open conference. Well, you said it best. This is not how we expected the Chiefs to be number one. What's crazy to me is that, like, this whole season, I remember, like, the first, like, two months was like, oh, my God, Kansas City, the Super Bowl hangover. Maybe this is it. And here they are somehow still the one seed. You know, they beat the Chargers in overtime. They've been absolutely on fire for, what, the last, like, half of this season. And I don't like any other AFC team. Are they the queer favorites now to kind of come out the AFC? Because, of course, the record shows it. But New England's kind of cool enough relative to what we thought they were. All these other teams, I'm like, there's at least two flaws, whereas Kansas City, I'm like, their defense was supposed to be the worst in the NFL, and now they're top five, and their offense is still good. And, hey, they still have Mahomes, who could be an MVP whenever he wants to. What's your Kansas City take kind of moving forward into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl? For sure. Kansas City, I mean, look, they didn't start off the season great. We all saw that. But I think that we've really seen them come back into their own and come back into their identity of, you know, throwing the football. Like, they are – Patrick Mahomes and his weapons like that's their offensive identity and they just needed to get back to that and you know just because someone's playing two or three deep safeties doesn't mean that Tyreek Hill can't just run by him like they just had to get back to that identity of you know threatening with the deep ball and then capitalizing on the short passes to Kelsey and run after the catch I think that they really know who they are going into this playoffs and I think that's definitely going to help them I don't know if there is a clear favorite right now I'd say the momentum is in Kansas City's favor but we saw how teams responded to them at the beginning of the season. And I don't think that they're going to have an easy time in the playoffs against some, you know, really tough AFC defenses. The other thing too, with this Kansas city team, and you can elaborate, I always feel like they're, if they lose one guy, they're kind of done. Like if they lose Kelsey, let's say they're kind of screwed where it's like, they lose like a key dimension of their offense. If they lose, you know, they've never had a running game, but at least Edwards Hilaire gives them a theory of a running game. So it's like, is that also a big problem for them? Because I feel like that's also defined their season too. It's like, hey, when they're healthy, they're booming. But when they're missing even one guy, it's kind of like a crappy machine that's about to break. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely been a theme. I mean, look, Kelsey and Hill like accounted for over 300 of Mahomes' 400 passing yards last game. Like they are the offense. And if one of those guys isn't in the lineup, it, it just shakes, it just shakes up their, their chemistry, their momentum, everything. And so I think that's definitely a factor, but one thing that you mentioned about the run game is something that I've always had, you know, a bit of a problem with KC is that they never really commit to the run game. I know that their identity is passing the football, but I think in the playoffs, it's a different ball game. Like you need to have a balanced offense to win in these situations. You need to be able to run the ball if you have to. And I just don't have, a lot of confidence that Kansas city can run the ball effectively. If someone were to, you know, respond to their offense, like they had earlier in the season and kind of shut that down. 
Well, that's a good point, especially if it's like, you know, two minute warning, you're up four, but you need to get a first down. You're not throwing the ball three times, you know, on that play. You're trying to get, you know, a four yards here, four yards there. I think some of these other AFC teams definitely, uh, especially with, I guess, you know, Indiana with Jonathan Taylor, uh, Tennessee, hopefully, if they get Derrick Henry back. Uh, The other big thing with the AFC is that now there's this tier two group which is the Patriots, the Titans, Bengals, Colts, Chargers, and Bills. So kind of to round out the current AFC playoff picture. We'll start with the Chargers. They were part of this overtime game. They're eight and six. They face the Texans this week. So, you know, we assume they'll be nine and six and still in the mix. What's your status kind of with the Chargers? Because I feel like they've always been up and down this year. It's like, hey, one moment they're in contention with this team that we think is really good. And then they lose to a horrible team. And I'm like, so – is Justin Herbert an MVP candidate? Is he not? You know, all these different questions I have with this team. What's the diagnosis with the LA Chargers? The Chargers, you know, I'm a really big fan of Justin Herbert and Brandon Saley. I think that they're building something really fantastic over there. I just don't know if they're experienced enough to get it done this year. I think they're a great team. But when you look at teams like the Chiefs and, you know, even teams that have been to the playoffs in recent years, like the Bills, And, you know, the experience of Belichick on the Patriots, it just doesn't feel like this is the Chargers year to me. But that's not to undercut the significance of what they're building there. I think that they're going to be a really good team moving forward. I just don't know if they're going to be able to make a big playoff run in, you know, Herbert's first year in in that kind of situation. I would have I would have pause to predict they go far. I will say this week isn't crucial for them, but their next two weeks after that, they play. At home against the Broncos, this team, again, 500 in the mix. And then this Raiders team on the road, which is like, I don't think the Raiders are personally make the playoffs, but in terms of like, uh, I don't want to face them week seven or week 18, I guess week 18 now because of the new rule, but, you know, final game of the year on their turf with this, you know, kind of frisky team. Do, do we finally think they'll make the playoffs? Because you got the Ravens, which I think people are sweeping on because of the whole Lamar Jackson's been out. They've had Huntley and there's been all the crap with that stuff. But do we think the Chargers make the playoffs or are they the first one out kind of as of now? You know, I think that's a, that's definitely a question that needs to be asked. I think that they make the playoffs. I think that they win at least two of their next three games, Texans, Broncos, Raiders. They have the Broncos at home. You know, that's a really tough defense, but, you know, it's a divisional opponent. They lost last game against them earlier in the season, so they're going to want to come out strong against them. If anything, if anything, I would be worried about this trap game against the Texans because they are not going to be worried about that. They're going to be worried about their two divisional rivals at the end of the season. So – we may assume that they would beat the Texans last week, but we also assume that the Cardinals would beat the Lions last week. And now the Cardinals have a huge, uh, a huge game to try and hold on to the division this week. Or, so, or yeah. ask the Bills when they got smoked by the Jaguars when Urban Meyer was still in town. So, you know, you always have that. <laughs> Especially with last week, there were so many upset winners. So I'm just like, what the hell is going on? So yeah, the betting scene was not pretty last week. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, everyone, the, everyone really had Cardinals in a parlay just thinking that Dan Campbell and crew would not. <laughs> Every parlay had the Cardinals. It was brutal out here. <laughs> yeah. The other big AFC uh, game was this pa- Patriots-Colts game. Stands out for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Colts, I've always said for the longest time, besides the Rams, have been my two favorite teams because they've been dealing with so many injuries. The whole Wentz was out of the lineup, and now he's in. He's caught fire a little bit. Jonathan Taylor's MVP run where it's like this guy actually might be, if it wasn't for Rodgers and the, your their standout record, they might be a good – he might be a good candidate for that. What's more shocking from this game is that the Patriots kind of falling back down to earth. Cause at some point they were going to lose. They what were they five or six games winning in a row. Like at some point they were going to taper off or are you more surprised that this Colts team is finally showing signs of life as you know, like a four or five seed in the AFC. Honestly, I I'm not surprised at either per se. I think the, the Colts I've loved the Colts since the beginning of the season. I thought they have so much potential and, you know, Carson Wentz uh, reuniting um, with uh, Frank Reich has just been such a success story, even though in that last game, he only threw for 57 yards on 12 attempts, five completions. It didn't matter. He's doing exactly what they need him to do. Just buy into the offense, buy into winning football games and give Jonathan Taylor the rock. And that's all they really need him to do because their offensive line is, you know, one of the top three in the league. And I don't think that's even a debate. Quentin Nelson is, you know, just a, once in a generation athlete at offensive guard. So I really think that this Colts team could be a surprise, uh, a surprise team in this playoffs, kind of like the Titans a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do. The Patriots, on the other hand, I'm not worried 
necessarily, but the the injury bug has been hitting their backfield with uh, Stevenson's questionable this week, as is Damian Harris, who didn't play last week. You know, and that's such a big part of their offense. You know, when when Mac Jones is throwing the ball 45 times, that's not what you want. You never want. A well, it, it is to make up for the three times you threw against Buffalo the other week. So, you know, that's he has true. To if you out. added them, if you added them all together, it would be a, a, a nice average uh, <laughs> in a Mac Jones uh, Patriots offense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think just balancing that offense a little bit more and, you know, managing injury risk will be important for the Patriots over these last couple of weeks. But, you know, they do have a game up, so they don't have to worry as much about getting into the playoffs, especially with their last two games again coming against the Jaguars and uh, Dolphins. I will say what's fascinating about this Colts team is that you look at their whole schedule, because I always love doing the whole resume of a team. That's why I've always been super down on Buffalo, for instance, because Buffalo does not have a signature win at all this year, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Indianapolis starts off 1-4. and four. They lose by a combined margin of, like, 12 points to – the Ravens, the Titans, and the the Rams, who we all have loved so far throughout this year. And kind of ever since mid-October, they've caught fire. They've beaten the teams they need to beat. The key victory, of course, uh, the blitzing of the Bills, and then now they defeat the Patriots. So there's two kind of big rivalries in the AFC. I mean, this team has a lot of potential to go deep in the playoffs, and I feel like nobody's going to expect it. It's going to be like, oh, Indiana made the conference finals in the AFC, like – where did this come from? How, how scared should a team be of Indianapolis moving forward? I would be very scared of Indianapolis. I mean, since their one and four start, they have lost three games to the Ravens, the Titans, and the Bucks, and they were all by one possession. They have been hanging around, winning games that they need to win, being close in games that they need to be close in, even if they don't come out with a dub. I think that they have done everything that they needed to do to be considered one of the top teams in the AFC this season. And I think that, you know, they should finish out the season strong. They have kind of a tough schedule against the Cardinals and Raiders. You know, the Raiders are a sneaky team. They're, they're, they're not bad. They're in the playoff hunt. And, you know, Derek Carr, I know there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of turmoil with that Raiders team, but, you know, Derek Carr can still throw the football and they still have a, a really good squad. So the Colts, you know, if they, if they make it to the playoffs, I would be very, very worried about them. Yeah, well, we'll actually move on because the other AFC game that's pretty notable is this Raiders-Browns game. It's the uh, one of those COVID-moved games that we'll talk about COVID policy a little bit because I do think it affects the playoffs. But you have this Raiders team that scores 16 points and somehow dominates the hut of Cleveland the other night. They've now kind of – they're still in survival mode where they're always outside looking in. This Raiders team, I don't even know what to make of them because the John Gruden thing happens. We already know that whole situation. And they're still competent. Like, usually when something happens, you look at Jacksonville. If you have a horrible coach and the whole chemistry is just off, your team's going to tank at some point. This Raiders team, though, somehow, again, still finds a way to stay at 500 and not be taken lightly when it comes to a week-to-week basis. Yeah, this Raiders team, you know, they, they always hang around. They always have a good start, and then, you know, they kind of taper off, but they're still in the playoff mix by the end of the season. That's just kind of been their their identity the last couple of years. Um, you know, I'm just not super confident in them to get it done. You know, they'd have to – I don't know if they'd have to win out, but they'd have to be pretty close to it. And against the Broncos, Colts, and Chargers, I just don't think yeah. that's <laughs> that, that is quite a doozy of the last three games. And uh, – you know, I, I really do like Derek Carr. I think he does not get the credit he deserves for, um, you know, kind of carrying this team this year. I think he's, you know, he's second in the NFL in passing yards, which no one really pays attention to. But, you know, as a team, I just don't think they're really well-rounded enough to uh, to make that playoff run in these last three weeks. I will say for me, the bigger standout from this game is Cleveland because here's this team that last season they go, I think it was 11-5 or 10-6. and six. It was one of those two, but they make the playoffs in the wild card game trounced the Steelers and then somehow almost beat KC. It's with, you know, Chad Henney, but still they almost beat KC who makes the Super Bowl that year. And now here's your team. Baker Mayfield has legit one arm and one leg and he's been <laughs> limping around. The COVID thing has screwed over them when they lost to Fansky. They lost some of their guys and they've been, you know, the rotating cast of characters in that place. What are you supposed to make of this Brown season in, in positive or in negative? Because, you know, you're 500, but you look at their record, and this is the most inconsistent team in all of football right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I personally, I think there's going to be some changes in Cleveland after this season. Not necessarily that there should be a, a ton of changes, because I really do like Stefanski. But, you know, 
Mayfield has to prove that he's able to stay healthy and be a franchise quarterback. And so far he has not done that. The Browns have made the play. They made the playoffs last year. They had a nice win over Pittsburgh, but you know, it, I don't think I'm not super confident that they're going to uh, beat the Packers Steelers or Bengals in either of these last three games. You know, it, they've just been kind of that team this year where you can't count on them to win a game that they should win, let alone a game that they, you know, need to win to make the playoffs, even if they necess- shouldn't necessarily, you know, like against a, opponent like the Packers so Cleveland I think there's going to be some changes and Baker you know his, his career is a uh, is is heading in a different direction I think after this year I think after they probably don't make the playoffs that this Browns team will uh, have some turnaround for sure well another thing too I'm pretty sure Mahomes is expiring or like he needs a new contract at some point or not Mahomes geez wow Mayfield <laughs> At some point, I think he needs a new contract, right? Where like they're gonna have to extend. I wouldn't extend him if I'm Cleveland because I haven't seen the consistency yet. If you're like, how do you manage that if you're a team where it's you have this guy who has been good at times and has matched up as you know peak value has been a top eight guy, and then other times though, I'm like, do I want to play him? So I mean, how do you evaluate that as a team if you're Cleveland? I think it's interesting because Cleveland hasn't really prioritized Baker Mayfield's health and you know, they've, they've put him out here the entire season rather than letting him rest and get back to full health, even though, you know, chances are they're not making the playoffs this year. So I don't know if they would want to extend him and just deal with the injury risk for a couple more years, or if they would want to just cut him loose, because I know that they invested so much into him and they really liked him, obviously the first overall pick. So if I'm the GM in Cleveland, I'm probably moving on from Baker at the end of this current contract and spending the rest of the time trying to scout quarterbacks or find replacements that are already in the league. But I'm not necessarily confident that they're going to do that. I will say, I definitely agree they're not making the playoffs considering they play the Packers, Steelers, and Bengals uh, to round up their uh, softball schedule, quote-unquote. So I think that's a good assumption to make. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of the big AFC games from last week. But I have a couple teams I want to talk about first. The big one's the Ravens because they're eight and six and out of the playoff picture, which is crazy. The the one thing I've noticed that is that every there's a competition between every ten and four team to like seven and seven in the NFC, and then basically the same thing up to nine and five in the AFC. And the Ravens at eight and six, it's like they're another one of these teams where it's like, hey, they competed with the Packers, Lamar Jackson didn't play, you know, Huntley's a guy. But then I forgot that two weeks before they lost to my Dolphins and like not only lost, but they couldn't score. Like, should the Ravens make the playoffs? Like, are they one of the top seven teams this year in the AFC or do they have too many red flags where it's like now? You know, it's a question worth asking and it isn't a question that you would have expect to ask a season or two seasons ago. Uh, the Ravens are, you know, to start this season, the Ravens were probably the most complete team in the NFL on paper. You know, they had multiple running backs that they could count on. And they yeah. had, they have Lamar Jackson and they had they have to Peter. sign Le'Veon Bell. And I'm pretty sure he's been out of the league for like four years. <laughs> exactly. And now he's not even on the team anymore. So there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot going wrong with the Ravens right now. But at the end of the day, I think when they're healthy, they're, they're a playoff team. They deserve to be a playoff team. I don't know if that would necessarily be in the place of the Titans or the Bengals, as far as like, who is the best team. Because I think when the Ravens are healthy, they are better than the Bengals and the Titans. Uh, if Derrick Henry's not healthy, actually, I take that back. But he could be for the playoffs. So um, the Titans with Henry, I'd still put above the Ravens. But if we're if we're talking talent alone, I don't think the Bengals defense has enough on uh, on the Ravens to uh, get that edge. So if the Ravens remain healthy, I think that they would be you know a fun team to watch in the playoffs. But they do play. The Bengals, oh, this week. So that's gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting yeah, the, the matchup this week app. are gonna make everything so damn crazy when it comes to keeping track. Also, shout out to the Ravens for being the one seed, like I think two weeks ago, and then just like because of everything, <laughs> they're now out of the playoff picture. I guess that goes to show a lot for what's happening this year. So yeah, the the one thing I've noticed too is that I didn't realize how much of an impact division matchups have until this year, where it's like take for instance, like this AFC North, where it's like all four of those teams are looking to be in the playoffs. But if you're a team like the Tennessee Titans, you get to face the Jaguars and the Texans two times each compared to your, the Ravens and you got the Steelers and the Bronco or the, uh, the Browns and the Bengals and all of that. It is so damn tough to kind of compete against that when you're kind of facing your own teams time and time again throughout the season. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, those, those divisions like the AFC North and um, the AFC West, I think are probably two of the toughest divisions in, in a football and it's tough to have to play those time, those teams all the time. I mean, even in the uh, NFC North, the, uh, the Vikings and the Packers, like, you know, those two teams, I always go back to those as divisional matchups because those two teams always just give each other a hard time. And, you know, it's uh, it's really important to just win those games more important than any other games, obviously, because you get to know those teams and those identities and, you know, Mahomes versus uh, we just saw it with Mahomes versus Herbert. That's going to be, such an important rivalry over the next, you know, decade of football. So I think those divisional matchups are going to be, uh, you know, something to look forward to as we see these young QBs kind of, you know, emerging and uh, becoming these franchise guys. Uh, two more teams from the AFC. The first is which we got, we're not leaving this pod without talking about my Dolphins here. Six in a row. We wrote them off back in, you know, Halloween. And everyone was saying like, oh, like easy scratch off. Is the Dolphins' uh, take real? Are they a legit team that can somehow sneak in here? Because I know they're still 7-7. Seven and seven. I think they play the Patriots or the Bills, one of those two teams at some point. It's hard for a team that starts off as good as they've been. It's, it's hard to go from 1-7 and seven to 9-8. and eight. If, this is, if we think 9-8 and eight is the cutoff to make the playoffs, I think it might be honestly 10-7. and seven. So what's, what are the thoughts on the Dolphins in terms of playoff chance? And you gotta, you got to keep the happy people here in Miami. So. <laughs> you know – I uh, I think it's possible, but if you look at these last, you know, six wins, uh, Texans, Ravens, Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets again. Those, are, those, are, good that, those are good teams. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the only team that, uh, you know, has a, has a chance at the playoffs in those is the Ravens. Well, and what, hey, the Saints, Giants, Titans, we, and Patriots. The Giants have not been eliminated yet from the playoff picture, so keep that in mind. Giants, this is true. The Giants have not been eliminated, although I'd say it's highly unlikely. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, the Dolphins, you know, I think Tua has shown a lot of growth over these, these these past six weeks. He's shown that, you know, he can get the job done. He can win football games. And that's really what you're asking for from him. And, you know, obviously last season, it was a heartbreaker for not making the playoffs. But, you know, I think even if they don't make the playoffs this year, they've built a solid foundation with Tua's, uh, you know, Tua's connection with Jalen Waddell and Mike Gusecki and some of the other guys on that offense. I think they still have a few holes to fill you know, maybe getting a, a featured running back or, you know, some more help on the, uh, in the front seven, but I think that they're going in a good direction as far as the franchise goes. Well, it's hard to pick a wrong direction when they went one and seven and their only win was week one. And it was a Patriots team where we didn't really know what's up. And we scored, I think they scored like 14 points. It was like ridiculous. Also, I do agree. Duke Johnson, who I think was been tossed around to like four different teams cannot be the feature back on any NFL franchise. I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on a limb and say that. <laughs> the other thing, too, you mentioned, Tua has been really damn good the past like, month and a half. Like, the improvement from him, all these signs of, you know, the Dolphins should trade for Deshaun Watson. There was honestly a theory out there that the trade might have happened, but there's still, of course, the looming uh, sexual uh, shall we, misconduct allegations, shall we say, against him. I mean, if you're the Dolphins, you'd rather keep Tua now, given how good he's played, right? Yeah, I think I think at this point you're just gonna stick with uh with Tua and you're gonna ride that out and you're trying to gonna try to develop him as best you can. I think that's all you can really hope for. I think, you know, if you're that front office, you invested a top, what was it, seven pick in him, top five. I think it was six or five, yeah. Yeah. And so you you wanna ride that out. And I think with how well they've played to end this season, I think these last three games are gonna be huge for for, you know, the offseason decision making at quarterback I do think that they're going to stick with him but you know if he doesn't perform in these last three games that could definitely change and then one last team we have to talk about this is the last time we're going to be talking about them until god knows when but the Jacksonville Jaguars with this whole Urban Meyer shit though I remember the first time we covered Urban Meyer on this pod it was week four I remember exactly and it was that photo that came out after that loss with the bar and you know exactly what I'm talking about and then we didn't really talk about this because I kind of wanted to save it for a guest episode but the last two weeks with this Jacksonville franchise where there's the reports of him benching certain players, there's his leadership style that came into question. You had some of his own assistants kind of, some came to defend him and then some were just quiet. And if they were quiet, they were complicit in that they hated the guy. First off, like explain this whole situation of how batshit crazy it is that Urban Meyer is is in and out of a job in 12 weeks. And then number two, 
how does this what do you do if you're a franchise like this now where it's like you thought this urban meyer guy with trevor lawrence would be the savior you've wasted trevor lawrence's rookie year entirely you don't have any direction as a franchise whatsoever and it's crazy how you know in 2017 they make this afc conference title game and now they're the easily the worst team in all the nfl yeah, it's a, it's a tough scene in Jacksonville right now. I'd want, not want to be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, but I'll tell you what you do. You go out and you get Eric Bieniemy. I feel like that would just create the ultimate sense of identity for this team, a coach who's won at the NFL level, who's worked with you know a, a dynamic quarterback like Mahomes. I feel like that relationship between Trevor Lawrence and Eric Bieniemy would be one that would so benefit him. And, you know, further his career in a way that he clearly never got on with Urban Meyer because, you know, at his press conference, he was saying it was essentially nice to have a to have a new culture in the locker room after he was gone. So, you know, I think it was pretty obvious from everything that was happening under Urban Meyer that he was going to have one of the shortest head coach tenures in uh, in NFL history. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> the, the other crazy thing, too, with Urban Meyer real quick is how. He goes from winning this title in 2008 with that crazy Gators team uh, all the way back then, has this successful career at the Ohio State, and it's like, oh, my God, promising coach, all this sort of stuff. It reminds me, I forget if his official name, but it was the Michigan head coach for basketball, I think John Beeline, I forget how you pronounce his name, who coached the Cavs for like 20 games, and the, the Cavs players wanted to kill him midway. It's the same exact thing. I, the one thing I've noticed is that coaching in college and coaching in the NFL is not the same thing at all. You're doing with adults, half of which probably either made a Pro Bowl or have had huge contracts. You just can't treat these 30-year-olds like they're like 19. Yeah, no, it's it's not the same. I mean, Urban Meyer, you, you just look at his style of play and you just look at a college football coach. Like the transition was never going to be easy. His, his offense is as college football as it gets. It's very fast-paced. It's very you know, movement behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it's very, it's taking advantage of the upper hand that you have as an Ohio state team that gets the top recruits in the nation. It's taking advantage of those matchups, which he doesn't have at Jacksonville. He doesn't have the best players in the nation. So you can't expect Trevor Lawrence to go out there and throw the ball 20 yards downfield into, you know, triple coverage and expect these passes to be made. It's, it's just different style of football in the NFL and Urban Meyer never really adjusted. Yeah, so we can move on to the NFC now. I feel like the NFC, there's way more of a clear-cut playoff picture. We know it's probably the Packers and that same top five or six we've always been mentioning, and then that drop-off for the rest. I think the big team to start out with is, of course, the uh, the uh, I guess before in Green Bay, honestly, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers shut out by the Saints. I think it points more toward the Bucs' struggles than the Saints as a successful football team for this season. But how big of a dud is this? Because they lose Chris Godwin for the year. Tom Brady didn't look the best and it, it goes to show that, Hey, when you're not surrounded by all pro, you know, running backs and wide receivers, that it could be a tough time. How concerned are you with this Bucks team right now where they've fallen off a little bit in the past couple of weeks? I'm, I'm pretty concerned. I mean, the saints, if you watch that game, they weren't even bringing pressure. They were just getting pressure on Tom Brady with four pass rushers. They were all over him. They were in the backfield and without his top guys, you know, catching screens and checkdowns and that kind of th- and that kind of stuff. It was, it was, it was a, a sore sight to see in, uh, in Tampa. So I really am worried about this Bucks team without Chris Godwin. I think that he's one of the most dynamic playmakers in the team and he uh, on the, in the league, sorry. And without him, I think, you know, hopefully Antonio Brown can fill a little bit of that gap, but they're just not healthy. I mean, Leonard Fournette went down last game. Tom Brady got sacked four times and lost a fumble. It just did not look good all around. And I think that going into the playoffs, that's a dangerous thing for, for any football team, even if it's Tom Brady led. And, you know, the last three weeks, they play the Panthers, the Jets and the Panthers again. So it's not like they're going to have to strive for wins, unfortunately (laughs) for my Panthers, but, but, um, you know, that, that does create a situation where you're going into the playoffs after, you know, playing three probably rollover games and you're just, you know, hopefully they can get some rest during those three weeks, but, you know, they should also focus on being prepared for much harder matchups. Yeah, and the other elephant in the room is that uh, Taysom Hill was the quarterback they were facing. I, I They only scored nine points and they still lost and they, got, they didn't score anything. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, the Saints, the Saints didn't play well offensively they played fantastic defensively but you know Alvin Kamara had 11 carries for 18 yards like 
that's what the Bucks do. They shut down your run game, and that's exactly what they did. They're, one thing I will say about the Bucks in this game is that their defense played phenomenal. And, you know, the Saints aren't a fantastic offensive team, but, you know, Alvin Kamara, whenever you can hold him to under 20 yards on double-digit carries, that's impressive. And so, you know, that Bucks front seven is, is as lethal as ever. And I think that's going to carry them going into the playoffs with some of their, uh, some of their key offensive guys missing is they're going to have to rely on that defense. Yeah. And real quick, the other take isn't that like, Oh, the Bucks will make the playoffs. No, because they're, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They already have a multi-game advantage just for the last seed. They faced the five and nine Panthers twice. And I think one of which is at home of uh, the last game of the year and they get the jets, which is like, okay, boop, like we're, that's good. And the other thing too, is we saw this with last year's team with the Bucks, where if you go on a win streak heading into the playoffs, you catch fire. You're perfect. We saw they won like five games in a row and then just coast to the playoffs. If they win three of these in a row, they're going to be in their groove. The problem I do have though is, and you said this is like, it, it, it is a, kind of like a chief's thing where if they lose one guy, they're kind of like a dud. Cause Chris Godwin was so huge for them replacing the Chris Godwin numbers. I think that's the key with the scene I'm, I'm lacking faith. in. it's like, how do you replace the stats of Godwin in a normal football game against the Rams in a wild card game or the Washington football team in a wild card game where they don't really have any notable backups off the top of my head where it's like, we can easily fill in that gap. Yeah, I think getting Antonio Brown back will be very huge for them. But, you know, they're going to have to rely on uh, other younger guys like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller in those three receiver sets that they love to run. You know, they, they're always having three receivers out there. So they're going to have to rely on one of those young guys and they're going to have to step up. Personally, I really, really like Tyler Johnson, second year receiver out of Minnesota. He's been solid for them so far. He hasn't shown his total upside yet. I think that if he gets a chance to be inserted into the starting lineup in the playoffs, he can make a he can make a big splash and make a name for himself. So that's a that's definitely someone to watch going forward on this Bucks team with Chris Godwin out, Tyler Johnson year to year first. <laughs> yeah, yes. The other the others two more teams in the NFC that stand out to me by far and away. The first of which is of course the Green Bay Packers. By far the best team in football, both conferences right now. Rodgers has elevated ahead of Brady in the MVP, uh, I guess, betting odds. So there's kind of that. We've always said this, I feel like, with Green Bay for the past decade, whenever they've had an above 500 record, where this is Green Bay's year to win. But I actually really think this is Green Bay's year to win. Like, considering the Cowboys are the second seed and they've been so inconsistent, you have the Bucks, the Cardinals every week they look different, the Rams aren't healthy. That's a very weak NFC. If they get the first round by, that'll be the most clutch by out of both conferences to have that week off. How confident are you that for the first time in the past couple of seasons, we can safely say that Green Bay might have a good chance to actually make the Super Bowl and live up to the hype? As much as I hate to say it, I think that there is a good chance <laughs> that they could actually win this year. It seems it seems foolish to say that after all their chokes in the in the playoffs in previous years, but you know. This team, it, I feel like their predicament with Rodgers almost helps them in, in a sense because it's like they have nothing to lose. This is the last hurrah. This is their this is their final chance to win. Before he gets Super traded Bowl. to Denver and Miami, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is their last chance to win a Super Bowl in another Super Bowl in the Aaron Rodgers era. And I think every single person in that locker room wants to win one for him. They all respect him, even though he, you know, has had some not so respectable uh, instances with the media and instances uh, with the franchise. So, you know, I think that they have everything they need this year. I think that they have a really solid defense. Jair Alexander has really come into his own as, you know, a top five corner in the league. I think that they have, you know, a top three wide receiver in Devontae Adams, and they have two incredible running backs in Aaron Jones and, uh, and AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon is, you know, one of the best power backs I've ever seen. He just takes so many hits and he just bowls over people. It's, it's incredible. So I really think the Packers have a good chance of making it all the way this year in such a, such an open playoff hunt in both conferences, honestly. Well, and they have three things going for them. Number one is that they have Aaron Rodgers, who you can make the case has been the best QB all year. Number two, the most depth, both in terms of upside talent and in terms of like if they lose somebody, they have a guy to easily fill that spot. And number three, when you consider the, the places, like the rest of the teams across this conference, they're all just not good. Like they're just not. I, I still just can't look at this list and be like, wow, this team has a good chance to beat Green Bay on a random night. I think Green Bay should be the clear favorite going into the Super Bowl. But there is always the, the narrative question of like, dude, 
this team has always sold short so many times, especially these past couple of years where it's like, how do they not make the Super Bowl at least one time? Like the, there was that year against the 49ers on like how they, yeah. they, they, I think they, when they lost to the Rams, I didn't think they should have lost the Rams. So, I mean, do you think this is the year to make kind of like kind of leave that hurdle and actually make it? I think so. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, what, what's different about this year, but everything's different about this year. Like Aaron Rodgers has said, he's, he's leaving. Like this is when, when players play with someone as great as Aaron Rodgers is and has been, they want to win for them. And that's, that has a lot to do with, you know, winning more than people take into account. I think that people's attitudes and people's, you know, demeanor in the locker room is, is really important in their motivation. And I think that Green Bay has that probably more than anyone right now. The other big, big team that I think is getting highly slept on, and they're kind of similar to the Indianapolis Colts where they got screwed by a hard schedule to start there and injuries. This Niners team at eight and six in a tough division and with all the stuff they've done quietly in this playoff hunt right now as this sixth seed, and they have a semi-decent schedule going forward. How confident are you in the Niners, or is this a sense of, you know, more smoke in the mirrors? Run me my Niners. I love the Niners this playoffs. I think, you know, they have a they have a tough remaining schedule. So it's not 100% that they'll get in. They have the Titans, they have the Texans, which is a nice little break. And then they have the Rams in week 18, you know. And the Rams are probably – Which, by the way, that's a huge-ass game, dude. Huge, huge game. Rams and Cardinals probably going to be fighting for the division in that one. It, it's going to be phenomenal. So I'm, I'm really, really confident in this 49ers team, though, because I think that they really – even though Jimmy G isn't the quarterback that I would want on a Super Bowl aspiring team necessarily, I think that they've really found their identity in the run game. I think Elijah Mitchell is such a big pickup for them. I think, you know, they find, they really did find a diamond in the rough with him because he can take that workload and he can get those extra yards and he can fall forward and he can make those like those easy third downs that they Shanahan always always gets he always gets those easy third downs with Kittle or Debo Samuel and I really think that that identity of you know just pound the rock and then get the ball to one of our guys quickly that is what's going to take them far and it's tough to stop when the guys are as good as they have you know George Kittle Debo Samuel these guys are once once in a generation talents George Kittle is probably the most skilled run after the catch tight end I've ever seen I will say it is very impressive because remember at the beginning of the year we were like oh out of this crazy NFC West division, there's a chance that three or even all four teams might make the playoffs. Sorry, Seattle. But it's true. It, it looks like actually right now there's a good chance that three not only teams will make the NFC from the NFC West will make the playoffs, but these are all three pretty good teams in general. And I think the Niners are going to be swept on. We can get, though, into the bullshit of this pod, which is doing the who the hell is going to make the last wild, uh, the last spot in this playoff picture from the NFC because your candidates are – an Eagles team that looks different every year, but has gotten so much hype the last month. You're, the stupid Saints, who every week, they're somehow still 500, even though they don't have a QB, and they get screwed this week with COVID, where they lose Taysom Hill, and they're starting uh, some random white guy who was like a fourth stringer. The, the football team, Washington, they they lost t- uh, Heineke from the COVID stuff. He's back now, so we'll see how that happens. The, uh, the damn Falcons are still in it at 6-8. and eight. It's like, what the hell? So what's the status on like, who do we think is the last team to make it in? Cause the Vikings, I feel like are like the safer bet because they've just had dumb losses and like are probably the more talented team, but they have the toughest schedule. I think of these remaining teams and it's a tough route going forward. So what's the status on this like bottom of the NFC here? It's, it's going to be a tough race. I mean, the Vikings, I, I think the Vikings are definitely the best team of those three, but they play the Rams, the Packers and the bears. So that's going to be tough. You know, the Bears. <laughs> go go <yeah>. Eagles. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Eagles, on the other hand, play uh, the Giants, the football team, and the Cowboys. So, you know, the Cowboys in the last week of the season is going to be tough, but those, those other two games should be wins for the Eagles, whereas the Vikings are – I would say expected to lose against both the Rams and the, and the Packers. But, you know, we've seen the Vikings pull off some incredible victories this year and in years past, you know, they, they just win games that they have no business winning. They beat the Packers the first time around, they beat the chargers. They beat who else did they beat? No one else important, but those two are still good. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the saints, I think without their quarterbacks this week, starting Ian book, a rookie out of Notre Dame, 
I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in that team to get it done. So I think that the highest chance is that the Eagles are actually going to get this, this last seed. I think the Eagles are the favorites right now, at least in my book to, uh, to get that last seed with their, with their easy schedule. Well, the funny thing is, too, is that I don't know how it'll play out by the end of the year, but somehow by the end of this week, it would not surprise me if the Falcons have that spot because they play the Lions and all these other teams play actual contenders. So there is – it's a slim chance, but there is a big chance that they actually might be it. I can't believe this Falcons – this Falcons team, which has been a crap show all year, somehow might make the playoffs. Like, that's dumb. So you don't think the Giants will make it a 4-10? and 10? They're not starting Daniel Jones, so they actually might have a chance now. <laughs> Daniel Jones is uh is sad, but um, <laughs> they know. have Mike Glenn. They have Mike Glennon, I think, still, which I didn't know he was still in the league, but there he is. So go, no go Mike. <laughs> so <laughs> the the other thing too. So that's kind of the the big picture from both playoffs. But before we move on to the games going forward, I don't want to spend more than like two minutes on this thing because nobody wants to talk about COVID anymore. But <laughs> Considering how much it's affecting the NFL, where it's like a revolving door of just players missing per week, you saw this with them postponing games last week. The weird thing where, like, for the football team for Washington, they had to lose Heineke and had to put some random guy in to start. Now he's back. The Saints today just announced that they won't have their top two QBs. Jameis Winston's, of course, out, so they're starting, like, their fourth stringer in a pretty important playoff game – or a pretty important game that determines a lot of playoff outlook. The big question for you, because, again, don't want to spend too much time on COVID, is how crazy is this where it's like an entire season is going to be defined as if this guy will be put in the COVID health and safety protocols they put it? Because for the NBA, always tying it into the NBA, of course, in this pod, it's early in the season, so there's plenty of time to get to deal with the COVID wave and, you know, oh, like get the positives out of the way now before it happens now. But for the NFL, it's the last three weeks of the season – you're at the point where it's like every win kind of really does matter now. And considering an 82 game season with the basketball league versus an 18 game season with the football league, a lot more value is placed on football regular season than the basketball regular season. Yeah, for sure. And it's super unfortunate that this is happening. I think, you know, everyone just has to be safer. Everyone has to take precautions. You know, when you get paid, millions of dollars to play football, you got to be able to play football when it matters. You got to be available on Sundays. And I think, you know, if, if this continues this way, the NFL is going to have to change protocols. They're going to have to do something to, you know, accommodate for this high rise in cases because, you know, the Omicron variant may be, you know, less harmful to the body, but it is a, it is easier to spread. So. It is an a-hole when it comes to spread, apparently, yeah. is what I've heard. Yeah, it's a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> well, and, and real quick, the key policy is that they just announced with the NFL this rule of like, hey, if you're vaccinated and you don't show symptoms, we're just like not going to test you, which honestly I think might be the strategy moving forward for most sports leagues because, I mean, the demographic is that they're healthy guys between the ages of 18 to 40, so they're probably going to be okay, but – that's kind of a big shift in policy though, because it's not like the NBA where they were all like, we're going to, you can't go out on the road. It like, don't do anything that's going to violate health and safety protocol. That difference is pretty crucial when it comes to these leagues. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Like I think testing vaccinated players, it's going to depend on if they get boosted. And I think that will definitely play a role in, um, you know, their, their tolerance to the, uh, to the variants, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Well, say, and of course, I don't think the NFL personally should just pause the season because you're so close to the end where it's like you don't want to mitigate, what, four months of NFL regular season because of what's happened the last week or so. So I think they're probably going to move forward. So we'll see what happens. And speaking of seeing what happens, we got the big games coming up. So there's a couple of games I highlighted that I think are critically, critically important. The first one's actually happening as we're recording this tonight on Thursday, which is this Niners-Titans game. Like, holy hell, you have this Niners team that if they win – they're closer to that division uh, mix with the Cardinals and the Rams and this Titans team where it's like, despite not having Derrick Henry, if they get this win, they're kind of going to secure themselves as like the next group up compared to all these crappy AFC teams at the bottom. What do you see from this game looking forward? Yeah, this is a huge game for both teams. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. This is a, this is a, this is potentially a win or go home game for, uh, for the Niners. And the Titans really want to cement themselves as one of the top teams in that AFC. I really think that it's going to depend on the Niners' ability to throw the ball. I think that their run game is phenomenal, and they've proven that. But I think Jimmy G is going to really have to get the ball to his playmakers. And, you know, 
George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, all those guys. I think that they have better, they have matchup advantages on the outside and with those guys, and they're going to have to exploit those if they want to win this game. Um, not to say that they should go away from their run the ball identity, but I think that they, uh, they're going to have to throw the ball successfully to win this game. Yeah, there's a huge game. I, I realize that there's a lot of big games this week for the NFL. Like, yeah. holy crap. Lots of playoff implications. Well, especially with these interdivisional games, as well as the there's it's between the interdivisional games and the AFC versus NFC games, where it's like the random game of the year that somehow determines your whole season. And then yeah. speaking of that, another winner go home game, Browns Packers. This is kind of like the last hoorah for the Browns here if they don't get a dub. Yeah, for sure. And I think it will be the last hurrah for the Browns. It's <laughs> uh, it's it's just not in the in the cards for them to win this game. I mean, the Packers, I know that they already clinched the playoff seed, but they want to clinch that first seed. Aaron Rodgers is hungry. The Browns have been depleted by COVID. It just doesn't really seem like a winnable game for them. But then again, they've won some unwinnable games in the past couple seasons. No one thought they were going to win that playoff game in the last year, and they blew the Steelers out. So that's a beautiful thing about football. Anything could happen, but, you know, if I, if I got to put my money where my mouth is, I'm putting it on the Packers. <laughs> I was like, ask the Cardinals that a couple days ago. So, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the Cardinals, Colts Cardinals, the whole week's low key Super Bowl matchup. Just all I'm saying is like, this is like the, the, the battle of the tier two Super Bowl contenders where yeah. rising Colts team that needs a win, Cardinals, everyone keeps yelling at them all year that they're not good. This will be a good signature win against the team in the regular season. What do you see from this game? Yeah, these are this is like the uh, the the battle of the potential underdogs. Like these yeah. are the teams that you know have played really well this season, but aren't still aren't necessarily favorites to make it far in the playoffs. But both teams, you know, I'd say have the talent to do so. Uh, the, I talked about the Colts already a little bit, but you know their their offensive line I think is really just the most important thing for me. They they have you know two three all pros on there, and they just make so much space for Jonathan Taylor and it's, it's tough to stop. They've, they've shown that they are going to be in every single game. They have not had a bad game where they lost since their one and four start. So I really think that if they make the playoffs that they could, uh, they could be a surprise team and these Cardinals, I mean, they've been fantastic all year. They just got to finish out the season strong. The trap game against Detroit was a, was a classic, um, you know, classic case of a young quarterback and a young coach getting too cocky and, you know, just not focusing on the, on the team at hand at practice that week. And I think it's something that they can learn from and going into the playoffs, this is going to be their most important game of the season. So far, this game against Indy, if they win this game, they can go into the playoffs probably with that um, division in their hand because they have the tiebreaker against LA and, and, and if they win this game, they'll have a one-game bump if, for some reason, the Rams just don't beat the Vikings. Because the other key thing, this ties into it, a winner-go-home game for the Vikings beating L.A. That, that, again, two huge matchups here for the division. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Vikings game is going to be, you know, huge for both teams. I think the Rams really, really want that division. You know, they do not want to have to play one of those top seeds in the AFC and the, in the NFC in that first uh, that wild card weekend. Um, and the Vikings, you know, the Vikings are a really good team. I really, I was really high on the Vikings before the season started and they haven't really shown that they could be everything that they can be, but they have a lot of good things going for them. They have a solid run game, even when Dalvin cook isn't there. I think that their zone run scheme, you know, hitting those B gaps and C gaps always is just so good for them. Um, and Christian dairy has been great. You know, they've just, they have a lot of playmakers in places where they need to have them. They just haven't put it together. They haven't been consistent. And I think, you know, a, a win against the Rams would obviously be a huge momentum shift going into the playoffs and would do them a lot of good. So, you know, this is a game to watch for sure this weekend. I think it could be a close one. Well, and the thing you, of course, hinted at, which we've talked about a gajillion times on this pod, the NFC has a clear top five and then it falls off. So whoever doesn't have that first round by or the division, they're going on the road and facing a contender. The bottom line. So out of that top five, one is going home without a doubt. So again, it is crucial to have a division in the NFC by far and away. Uh, speaking of division, a couple of huge battles here with the AFC. Uh, Steelers Chiefs. That's a pretty big game. That might be a winner go home for the Steelers. The uh, uh, entree by far, Bills Patriots. Like that's an important, probably the most important game of the year. And then Ravens Bengals. Three pretty important matchups across the board there. Yeah, those those three games are going to be so fun to watch. It's going to be a really packed weekend of football. Uh, let's start with the uh, Ravens 
Bengals game. I, you know, divisional matchup. That's going to be one to watch for years. Burrow versus Lamar Jackson. I've been super impressed with with uh, with Cincinnati. They have that five seed right now. You know, they Joe Burrow has shown that he can be, you know, like almost an elite passer. His touchdown to interception ratio is a little higher than I'd like to see it. 26 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. You know, I think if he can lower that and, you know, just be smart with the football at all times, he can be, you know, a pro Bowl, all pro type of player. And, you know, he's got the weapons around him. Look at Joe Mixon, who's had one of his best seasons. He's, you know, double digit touchdowns and over a thousand yards already. And, you know, their offensive line has improved significantly, even though they passed on Sewell for Jamar Chase and everyone, uh, Everyone was not happy about that, including myself. Uh, but uh, we have we have all seen our the air of our ways <laughs> come around to the park days. So but, this um, is why they get paid and we don't, is what I've heard. Exactly. Yeah. So you know we'll, we'll get there someday. But <laughs> uh, that is that that Raven Cincinnati game is going to be a really fun one. And honestly, at home, I I think that Cincinnati could pull out a dub on this one and uh, put a put a wrench in a the Ravens uh, playoff chances. I think yeah, that would that'd be, be insane. If Baltimore falls off a cliff here with these past couple losses, like, and it, it's, it could so easily happen. It's the thing. It's, it's a, uh, it's, it's right. It's so close. And one of those teams is going to miss the playoffs. And right now it's the Ravens. So we'll see what happens. Well, and then the other thing too, with the Ravens is that they play the Steelers the last week. Uh, they play the Rams and then the Steelers. So the Rams games would be pretty tough. But if the Steelers get eliminated from the contention, they could be like the spoiler team and also say, you know, F you Ravens, like you're not making the playoffs or we're not making the playoffs. That could totally happen. Roethlisberger's last dance with Steelers is, you know, saying a big middle finger to the Ravens and denying them a playoff bid. So I have to be on the lookout for that. And then the most important game, of course, of my NFL uh, watching career, the Dolphins, a huge game <laughs> against the Saints on Monday Night Football. They, the Saints don't have a QB, so that'll be fun to watch, but important implications for both conferences here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that game is going to be a good one to 500 teams and, you know, the Saints don't have a quarterback, so they're going to have to rely on Alvin Kamara a lot, but you know, that's kind of their offense. They, they like to rely on Kamara and Ingram and run their, uh, run their offense through the backfield. So I think that's going to be a good game and the playoff implications for that, you know, they'll become, I think they'll be clear by the time that game happens. So it'll be fun to watch and see, you know, what the possibilities could be. Well, we'll have to be on the lookout for all of these playoff implications, but wide an excellent pod. Good to catch up with all the latest NFL action, especially as we wind down. It's been a, a bad hell crazy year for the NFL, given everything, but it's, it's good to have football in our lives. So why? Thank you so much for joining the pod. For sure. Thank you for having me. It's fun.